Welcome back to another episode of Room 2250, the University of Toronto Student Life Podcast. I'm your host, Anam Alvi, and this episode is part of the entrepreneurship series highlighting entrepreneurs at U of T. I am hugely excited for my guest today, Axel Villamel. Axel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. What's up, everybody? Axel is the founder of StageKeep, an app that helps choreographers and performers visualize and share their stage formations, most recently partnering with the Toronto Raptors Dance Pack. But honestly, it would be a disservice to stop the labels there for Axel because you are literally one of the most multi-talented and creative souls I have met and researched. And a lot of that is channeled into the creative agency you also run called Red Label Studios. Mm-hmm. Yes, you went deep, by the way. <laughs> so big respects to Anum for going a deep dive. <laughs> Yeah, I got some. I got some tough questions. Oh for you boy, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> your, your childhood secrets are all coming out. Ooh. Um, so I always start with uh, what brought you to U of T. You mm-hmm. did a double degree in or a double major yep. in computer science and mm-hmm. new media studies. Yeah. Um, how did all that start? Okay, so obviously my mom's like, go to U of T. It's number <laughs> one in the, in Canada. It's the Harvard of the North. And I was like, <laughs> all right. And uh, it's funny enough, I applied to a bunch of places. Um, and I remember like. U of T didn't get back to me, so I got into Ryerson. Okay. And uh, my mom was like, but it's not U of T. And yeah. I go, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, she was like, I guess, I guess. And she was just in this, like, slump of a mood. Mm-hmm. And then, come May, it was my birthday. I remember this end of May, May 30th. And, like, I got my acceptance letter from U of T. And she was like, oh, my God. Happy yeah, happy birthday. She's like, do whatever you want. I'm like, don't say that. Don't say that. And I had a crazy party. But anyway, so it brought me here. I also really liked, uh, you know, I also knew about U of T as well, you know, in high school. And uh, I went to the open houses and I just really loved the environment, uh, what the school stood for, and, you know, things like that. So um, that's why I'm here. You told me before that you had like sort of a similar experience to me where like you didn't really do that much programming no. before you got into computer science. Yeah. Oh. Which is like such a crazy thing. It was just, it was just like um, math. Like math was the only thing I was good at. And exactly. I didn't really know where that fit and I didn't want to be a doctor so I didn't do life science. <laughs> I mean, that was the... So background, I did international baccalaureate program or the IB program so I couldn't do any programming and I saw people doing it and I was like, oh, this looks cool uh, but I couldn't do it but I loved math exactly like you you know and you know I love seeing that I think the way they phrase it at U of T was really cool and that's what really got me into it the guy was like you know with coding it's pretty much limitless to what you want to do it's only limited to how much you know and I was like whoa challenge accepted <laughs> so you know it looked like the greatest avenue to go to so that's why we went there True. Dope. So part of what I think makes your message, um, which is about all about like being a generalist. And uh, there's this phrase that you talk about in your TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you did a TEDx talk at UTSC. Yes. It was amazing, Thank by the you. way. Thank you. Um, you say that you talk about this one phrase, doer of all, master of none, but oftentimes better than master of one. Yeah. I literally got goosebumps last time I, oh, like, the first time I watched that. I'm glad. By the way. Thank you. Yeah, I was, uh... Um, yeah, I think, like, part of that is what makes Stage Keep so, like, it solves a very specific problem. 
So it's very good at like what it does, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. And part of that is like, because you have exposure, because you do so many things, like you did hip hop competitively growing up and you are also in programming. Like these are two different fields that you were exposed to and like you did concurrently. And since you didn't specialize in one thing specifically, it like gave you exposure to things and stage keep sort of came out of that. Exactly. Intersection of the two. Exactly. I remember like a funny story. I was my first year course. It was when we did, you know, um, uh, the Theta and Epsilon. What course was that? Epsilon, Theta. <laughs> oh, 137. Yeah, 137. Okay, oh, so it was 137. So I was competing in Austria and I had to get my, uh, for, for Canada. So I was in Team Canada in Austria. Oh, was, for dancing. For dancing, yeah. Oh, and it was damn. for hip hop. And I'm like, the entire world was there. That's awesome. And it was so much fun. But I had, <laughs> I had like code due at a certain time. Damn. and back in my courses i was had to have it in about like 2 p.m eastern time and i did, forgot i was on a different time zone i'm like damn it so i was like <laughs> running out of rehearsal to write like the script really quick i'm like mm, i'm like fix this function mm, and then go in and I, and I posted it and then i remember once i forgot and i'm like why is this not submitting I'm yeah. like, oh man i forgot wrong time zone so oh damn but yeah but that was like my biggest mix of both worlds at the time where i was just competing so much and then i had to also learn code at the same time and then yeah. you know work hard so like that was my crazy story there. that's so cool <laughs> yeah it was, it was those fun. are like two completely different things like because you're like performing yeah you're dancing there's like music exactly you're on stage it's completely different from like sitting behind a computer and writing no code. totally different there's times where i was in rehearsal and i just had to pick up my laptop and and, and then write you know the function out and, and go from there yeah. let it run <laughs> and then do more rehearsal <laughs> be like why is it taking so long (laughs) i think like more and more i talk to like founders who come on this uh, on this podcast the more i realize that like unless you have a proper understanding or you have someone on your team who has a proper understanding of the problem space like you cannot do anything no you need to understand the problem space properly and you so the way i've seen it before is like at hackathons, for example, the most successful teams are usually the people who have someone who's non-technical mm-hmm. because they, they're they like, they're a specialist in their background, right? So, um, for example, like this hackathon that I helped organize a couple months ago, um, it was called Hack for Good. Yeah. And there was a team that uh, there was like one of the members was completely non-technical, but his father uh, worked in a dementia patient's home. So he knew all this like information about struggles that dementia patients face. Mm-hmm. And so they like focused their idea, their entire idea on dementia patients. Yeah. And it was like hugely successful. Like they won a prize for the hackathon. It makes sense. And yeah, it oh. was just like they, like they knew exactly what they were doing. But with you, it's mm. interesting because you're just like you just know all the things like you don't need another person who's like that is so false sometimes <laughs> as very false like i do know a lot of things which is uh-huh. great like being a generalist you know you do know a lot of things but mm-hmm. i think you always need other people you know in your team to yeah. do that like for instance my co-founder will uh mm-hmm. william mack he also went to utsc with me uh and graduated as a specialist but he is definitely more heavy on the back end right my back end isn't as great you know his okay. back end dev is phenomenal you know it's amazing Mm -hmm. uh and he carries that part of the team and you have like that logic and then like the artsy side in both sides Mm -hmm. but i think the one thing like what you said you always need even if you don't have a technical background is that person who's expert into that product and for dance for sure that was definitely me Mm -hmm. for our first stage game on the team and i think at the end of the day all of us coders what we do is we build awesome products right Mm -hmm. we build cool things 
but we need to know how to build it. And if it doesn't benefit anyone, it's like, why are we making it? You know, yeah. that's why you need that expert there. And that's why, you know, everything nowadays can be tech related because there's always needs an expert. You know, I want somebody, you know, for doctors, right? We need to know proper things on how, you know, to operate in an operating room. Mm-hmm. And we can't just build a robot. We're like, yeah. we don't even know how it's going to move. You know, we but need I to think, know proper things. I think there's even value in like having exposure to yes, that field. Exactly. Because like if you weren't in computer science, I think like there's something to be said about even knowing the problems you need to solve. It's so true. So what I do for stage keep on the team, everybody that's not a dancer yeah. has to go to a dance event or take a dance class. Yeah. And it's hilarious because like <laughs> you're seeing like coders dance for the first time. They're very like put back. Some are like, let's do it. You know, I'm ready to go. But other ones are like, okay, now I know what we should be doing. And I'm yeah. like, yes, because you need to understand that side and vice versa. I'll bring the people who aren't coders. I'll be like, the reason why, you know, this isn't getting done is because we have to do all this stuff. And then they understand. They're like, oh, wow. So I think it's yeah. the communication between both sides is very needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also I did um, like I think this is a strategy that's employed like even in like large companies. I did an internship in New York at uh, Tumblr and a big like philosophy that they hold with their hiring process is like they want to hire their users. So part of the mm. application is like you, or it used to be, I don't know if it still is, but you have to include like your Tumblr link, like yep. the link to your blog. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like a big part of it because they want to they wanna know that the people who are building it actually know the product. Makes sense. Because Makes otherwise, sense. yeah, like you don't, yeah. you're solving problems that like you don't really understand the problem. 100%, for. 100%. Yeah. So you have... Uh, okay, so I've, I've made a list of all the things that you that you do. This list is kind of oh, long, gosh. but let's let's take a gander through this. <laughs> so you're uh, so you do programming, mm-hmm. designing, dancing, which you've done competitively internationally, yeah. um, video production, music production, yeah. uh, photography, competitive eating. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Tell me about that. That was legit. This is true. Everybody's like, no, you're just joking. I'm like, no. (laughs) This was a thing. So my dad and I have this odd bond over competitive eating. It's like one of the things that brings us together. Okay. And we're like, we would watch competitive eating shows and then there's, we would just love it. Like there's crazy guys. Like this guy is like named Kaburu, Takaru Kobayashi. Okay. He ate the most hot dogs in a sitting of like one minute. I think it was like 35 in one minute. Which is crazy. Uh, Anyway, so there was a competition at UTSC and I'm like, I've always wanted to do this, so I did this, and then I did it again, and then I did, <laughs> and then I, I won the first time. The second time I lost, I got second place. Okay. Wasn't fair. It was for um, smokes poutines. Damn. Yeah, and they had that a is, second place is not a loss. What you know, is this? It was crazy. Do you know what? <laughs> the standards you the have only... for <laughs> <laughs> It's like such a like immigrant parent. Immigrant U of T. <laughs> ideologies going yeah. through my head right Unless now. Unless you're first place, you lost. You lost. <laughs> god but it was so true though like it was like amateurs only and the guy comes in with a vlog team i'm like you're not an amateur that's not fair yeah he had a vlog team it was so basically i don't know if anybody knows those huge party-sized um poutine uh so they go small medium and then there's wow size so i had the wow size and you had to eat that as fast as you can okay my time was like 210 and his was like 203. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. That's a huge poutine. I love smoked poutine, by the way. It was my favorite poutine. The most disgusting thing I've ever done in my entire life. 
I told my girlfriend, I'm like, just don't come because what kind of poutine was it? It was just like a regular poutine, like the classic, yeah. Mm. And I had to like I threw water on it to like mush it up and like shoved it down my mouth. Okay, gross. Because that's strategy. (laughs) Think about it, lubricant. Yeah, I need water to wash it down, and then you like scrunch it up, and so it becomes more of like a semi-liquid, and you go. And you drink it up. That's oh my, my little ASMR for the uh, for the podcast there. But yeah, hey, it worked. That was so disgusting. And you have to like, you have to move your head back in this weird motion, and you go, and then like oh it shoves God. it to the back of your throat. Anyways, yes, competitive <laughs> eating was a thing. I would do it again. I will definitely do it again if I find more competitions. Oh my god! Is there like a preferred food you have for competitive eating? Like, mm. what do you practice with? What's like a casual think, so, wake up morning warm? <laughs> I don't do it anymore. Okay. I want to get back in it again. But I really liked wings. Wings was like fun okay. because okay, one, it's also kind of dangerous because you have bones in the way. But oh, there's different ways of eating them and like. <laughs> there's an umbrella method where you put your thumb in the middle and then like the chicken like umbrellas out. Okay. Anyways, it's weird. I don't people know. Anam is giving me like the weirdest look right now, and it's like scrunched eyes. Like mm. I just like I didn't think that this you is asked what the I question. You today. asked the question, but yes, it was like I liked the chicken wings because it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I know my count. That's why I know how What's many I'm doing. Oh no, just like in general, like I know what I'm eating, like how many I'm eating at the time. Like oh, one okay. wing, one wing down, two wings, two wings down, type of thing. Mm, but yeah, true. if you want to know the count from the competition, it was. was it, like, 25 in a minute and a half or something like a that yeah and a half. it was crazy yeah it's damn disgusting. i'm shook yeah I, honestly yeah <laughs> how does your stomach just not like i don't know i don't know shut down it's good i <laughs> definitely didn't eat after that mm, just like went into a hole so. <laughs> is that not enough dinner <laughs> so okay anyway yeah so you have this like huge list of things that you do it seems like you're very open-minded mm-hmm. to like trying new things yeah. and like trying new talents um, is there anything that you would not do? Hmm. You would never touch with a 10-foot pole. Oh, my gosh. This is a great question. Thank this you. is a great question because I've never been asked this or I've never actually thought about things like that where I'm like, would I not do it? Mm-hmm. I think anything that's going to greatly, greatly endanger my life. And to be fair, there's like I went skydiving and I thought that was relaxing. So What? Yeah, I thought it was very relaxing, actually. I thought it was the most relaxing thing I've done. That makes no sense. Because you're just free falling, right? There's no way and it's just like no problems at the moment instead of like, I mean, dying and just like your shoe not opening. But that wasn't on my mind. I was the most fundamental human yeah, feeling. I was just like jumping down. I'm like, oh, this is great. And plus my view was Hawaii. So like it was a like Hawaii and there was wow. a rainbow and it was gorgeous. I'm like, this is the most relaxed I've ever felt. You fell through a rainbow. I fell through a rainbow. How many people can say that? I don't know. It was, it was Zero crazy. It was so much fun. But yeah, it was. I don't know that question i really don't know i think i'm open until i I think i'll be down to try most things um and also things that aren't like harming people either i would never want to do things like that that um but i'm down to try most things until like i personally don't like them so like i'll dabble in a lot of things and i think that's that's the question you know you're like how do i know if i don't like it unless i try it out mm. and that's what a lot of people are like oh i wouldn't like that i'm like i never thought like that i'm like let me try it mm. you know there's nothing wrong with that even with food before i was like Ugh. but now i'm like eh, it's food people are eating it let me try we'll it, it competitively. Yeah, do- <laughs> exactly <laughs> well yeah no i think i'm just open i'm just open to try it out uh until it doesn't i guess resonate with me whatever that thing is so yeah true 
Um, have you seen Fear Factor? I have seen Fear Factor. I loved Fear Factor. They would eat scorpions on there. Okay, so is this is competitive this eating? is where Just some lines would definitely <laughs> cross. Okay, here's a big thing. Here's a big thing. I okay. absolutely hate cockroaches. I think they're the most disgusting oh, thing. Even if you're like, no, no, no. If I see, we were in, where was I? I was in Virginia and we had mm-hmm. an Airbnb. And then like the last night, the last night, <laughs> this mother crawls out and I'm like, oh. And I'm like, the bathroom's canceled. I went to the no. McDonald's and went to the bathroom there. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. The thing about cockroaches is that they're so big that you can hear them walking. Because it's like, 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 it's like a dinosaur. Yeah. You know I mean? It has a like shell. Like Loki, yeah. if I hit it with, it's not a one hitter death. It's like a no. two slipper death. Those boys survived the meteor. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't mess with that. With, <laughs> with some of those like scorpion things, yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll try to eat them. Oh God. I'll do Fear Factor. I'll try it. Oh. <gasps> Oh, dude, just no cockroaches. Just no cockroaches. And as soon as I say that, watch, I'd do something like that, and they would bring cockroaches. And I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. No, thank you. I'm done. So it's really cool. You didn't, you've done so many things growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were super young, uh, you applied to be a Much Music VJ. Oh, yeah. Actually, in 2013. You went deep. <laughs> you went deep. The thing with the Much Music VJ competition is that it was such a big like part of growing up for me massive right like i would watch i would watch much music like every single day mm-hmm. the competitions the vjs were like i like wanted to be a vj i like wanted to oh, compete yeah. in like the match like everyone wanted to be right i think that was, was the like, last vj competition too that they oh, ever did yeah because they discontinued this whole like vj search and everything i don't oh, think they do it anymore true but yeah i remember it because i'm like oh i would love to be a vj you know yeah. and uh i think it was second year university when i i did it um but anyways I was so hopeful. You were second year university. Yeah, I was second oh, year. Yeah. And yeah. I remember Fructus, the, the shampoo company, yeah. they put me in their top five like selects of who no they way. think is going to win. And oh, I'm like, so cool. amazing. I made it to Fructus. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm totally going to get chosen to go on the show. And then yeah. it didn't happen. But that's okay. That's okay. You <laughs> okay. win some, you lose some. But it was like, it was a weird application. It was yeah. like, yeah. I remember I did it in UTSC's um, uh, courtyard area too. Mm. I had like a tripod and I was like, it was really all there. So it was like, it's a fun time. Yeah. But yeah. There was a scene where you reenacted your like childhood auditions. It was really good. Oh, wow. You watched it too. <laughs> See? Yeah. Yo, I when had I did to. child acting. This is my job. I did do child acting. <laughs> so fun fact, I was in an Oscar Mayer Wiener commercial. What is and that? I don't know if you remember. Okay, so you don't know. Oscar yeah, Mayer Wiener? Do you, do you know Oscar Mayer Wiener? Okay, for all my like people who used to eat hot dogs in the 90s uh it was like a food it was like a hot dog company oscar oh, meyer okay, wiener okay, okay. and uh it was like all these commercials would go on it was like a big hot dog cart like truck in the in the commercial search yeah. it up on youtube you'll find it anyways <laughs> i was in it and i was like I'll leave it in the description. so much fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no you won't find me in there i think it's like my commercial isn't on there but yeah oh, okay, i remember okay. it was so cool but i did a lot of showbiz when i was younger i did like acting and then i did like theater in trafford festival and, oh cool yeah so it was like a lot of my childhood was very show busy uh and auditions from i started off in acting first so oh cool acting was fun but it was mainly theater so it was very theater type acting mm-hmm. it was good. yeah and then we went to tv and things like that that's so yeah. cool you just casually just like oh yeah i was in tv don't worry no about it. It was, I, just, I was a child actor it was yeah fun. Casual. it was fun but i was like i was like z-list Job actor, come on, let's be real. <laughs> Nothing crazy. I remember my acting class. My partner was Nina Dobrev. No way! Yeah. Get out of 
And I remember I'm like, I remember I'm like, who's it? I'm like, somebody's like, oh yeah, you know Nina Dubrov? I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? And like, oh, yeah, I had acting school with her. They're like, you know, she's a big star. I'm like, what do you mean she's a big star? And yeah. I was like, oh, you're a huge star now. <laughs> yeah, 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 she was in the Vampire Diaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vampire Diaries um, and a bunch of other shows. But yeah, she was really cool. She was cool. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I think like what I love the most about this, like having like, a really diverse background, and I think it's like one of the reasons why I like specifically got you for this episode is because... Um, I like resonate with that so 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 heavy and you also talk about um, how so I'm also like the child of immigrant parents uh-huh. um, no and, way <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah like every other person in this building yeah um, it's a common thing in GTA all right we all know and uh, the like a big thing when I was like growing up was like I, I wanted to like try all these different things like I wanted to get into like I did a lot of like public speaking, I did like student council growing up. Um, I also was very into just like art and like music and I like wanted to like learn to play all these different musical instruments and like mm-hmm. try to learn like music production and graphic design and, and painting and stuff. And I don't know, it was never really like, I guess it was always met with like a, why are you doing this if you're in computer science? Yes, right? so true. And like, how is this gonna help you be successful and like in their mind success is you know money mm-hmm. right and yeah i don't know i think it's like i think it's i think it's important like your message yeah is important because thank you it i don't know i guess gives a voice to people who aren't necessarily like stuck on one specific like specialization exactly and i think like that goes back to like what i spoke in the talk it's like again coming from an immigrant family mm-hmm. stems is the path to success or specializing in that thing mainly stems is the path to success right we hear mm-hmm. starving artists a lot you'd hear that for sure from your parents you know yeah. you're like i'm going to art school and things like that mm-hmm. you know i was lucky because my mom wanted to do arts but she got shut down by her dad you know so she was like not the person to do that to me uh okay. same thing with my dad he loved photography my mom did got accepted to like a really good school for fashion and my dad was into photography but he went pure cs and my mom went to nursing uh, oh. So they like abandoned that. So, so both of them were sort of in the Yeah, they're in the situation. So they had some empathy, you mm. know, towards that. They're like, you know, still be STEM. You know, that was definitely something they wanted. But, you know, still pursue your passions as long as it doesn't interfere with also you doing well in school. Yeah. But I think as a society and even as a culture, I personally felt, and, and you know, I'm sure you did too, is that if you didn't do STEMs, it's like you're compared to, right? And you're like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, like Filipinos, like, oh, do you know Ginny over there was, uh, <laughs> she's a doctor. And, you know, Samantha was, you know, also a doctor, doctor. <laughs> and like, they have two doctorates, so it's doctor, doctor. And I was like, I don't care, you know? And But you do a little bit, because you're like, shit, I'm not, I'm not, you know, this doctor or what my culture praises to be. Am I like, do I look proud in my parents' eyes anymore? Like, am I a failure because I chose something else? I think a lot of it is, like, just defining success. And, like, a lot of times for immigrant parents, it's, like, like, what they understand coming from an upbringing of, like, survival, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they're in survival mode constantly. Um, They understand success is, like, okay, I don't want my child to ever go through these, like, survival mode situations. Mm -hmm. And so, like, money is the way, right? And they're still in survival mode. Like, even if they're doing well... It's funny, like in the back of their head, they're still like, I gotta, like, I gotta hustle, and so I yeah. expect my kid to hustle too because they don't think they're out of the clear. But yeah. I think that's what a lot of us need to remind them: be like, you know, everything's okay now, right? Like, we're okay. You know, we can take care of this, and you know, 
you're fine and you did great. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of immigrant parents unfortunately don't do is like they don't look back and like see how far they've actually gone. Mm-hmm. And like I give big respect to all the immigrant families out there that have done well and like make sure you guys pat yourself on the back and understand, <laughs> you know, you raise yeah. good kids, yeah. you know, we're, we're here and we're doing just fine. So that idea of success to them is, is, is hard to grasp, especially if they don't know technology when yeah. they're like, oh, wow, technology is so successful yeah and yeah, you especially can now like yeah what, like this whole entrepreneurship scene is like new and like blowing up in toronto because of tech. yeah and yeah like how did that conversation was there ever any like i guess confusion from your parents side of like okay but there's this very classic like path that i know if you go work for this big company then that will be successful for you like going off and starting your own thing yeah. is hugely oh like, for risky. sure totally and my parents were like again very supportive so i was very lucky like i had like a very like I had culturally, it was the same upbringing as everybody. But from a, like my parents, from that standpoint, was a little different because they had empathy towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they were always so scared and afraid. They're like, ah, "Are you sure?" They're like, and I'm like, "No, no, no, it's fine." And then you know they'd push back a lot. But at the end of the day, they'd be like, oh, "Okay, as long as you're okay." But I would have to make a case. I was pretty much pitching to them all the time, going. Hey there, my name's Axel Villamil. I'll be here uh, to show you why uh, starting a company will be I beneficial. Totally like it's pretty much, <laughs> pretty much you what it is. Pitching to your parents. Yeah, all the time. That's why I'm, they're the CEOs. You're just an yeah. employee. At the end of the day, and you go, here is our uh, flow chart of how my success was from 2011 and how it's doing now. We do see a little bit of dip here in 2016, but we know we have a proper idea of where it's going to go in 2020. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly what we're doing, yeah. and they need to see that. I get it. I yeah. get why they see it. But I think that's the communication on our part to be like check out Forbes you know Forbes isn't just doctors now it's like you know mm-hmm. businessmen business women you know yeah. doing crazy things with things that you would never think like you know I'm trying to think of an example like mattresses are doing crazy well mattress <laughs> in a box yeah true yeah. Who, who thought of mattress in a box right that's nothing to do with being a doctor or a lawyer or anything they have lawyers <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how you got to flip it on them and be like, yeah. I don't think you understand. They hired those people. So yeah. think about how much money they have. Yeah. So. But it's also like, it also works a lot to like validate in your own mind. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, okay, like it's okay that I'm doing this, even though it's risky. Like mm-hmm. look at all these things that I've done before. Like look at the potential for what this is. Look at the market. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it goes both ways, I guess. Yeah. Um, so with Stagekeep, mm-hmm. I know that you have partnered with the Raptors recently. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we got a awesome. I mean, we were really early with them too. Like we were like, like beta early. So oh, they, really? So how they found us was, uh, and this is where you know I give much respect and thanks to UFT. UFT, you know, did that story on me and when I graduated, mm-hmm. and it actually popped up on their head of entertainment's feed on Facebook because I was friends with a lot of her dancers. And uh, shout out to Amberly Waddell, who's from MLSE, who saw it and she, you know, messaged me directly and she goes, you know, this is great. Is it ready? Blah, blah, blah. And I go, yeah, like, let's let's have you on it. So, you know, I put her on the beta. Um, we got a great deal uh, with them and um, our names, if anybody goes to the playoff games or have watched them dancing, look up because our logo's there. And we we're like so amped about that. That's that was crazy. One of the most surreal things we saw. We're like, we never thought, I mean, personally, I never thought that, you know, I love basketball. But I was never really good at it, okay. but I was cool to somehow have be an affiliation now with the NBA, with like having yeah. our name up there and like it's so cool. Or just helping out the dancers that are there because they're part of the performance too. Like people don't realize that. Of course, yeah. um, they're part of that experience and and that's how it worked together. So 
they're they're with us you know and we're in the playoffs too our, our logo's still up there in the playoffs i was, yeah, like, I was really yeah, happy about it i was like yeah. oh yes keep it up keep it up because i thought we were going to be done after the season and then they're like oh it's still yeah, in the playoffs are doing something this year. yeah shout out to the raptors game seven <laughs> sunday Woo. um all the raptors listening to this podcast yeah the raptors themselves yeah. the nba players well they it's cool because she even told me they used it for their entrance for the first game no way. which was cool i'm like, I'm like oh my so gosh awesome. Kawhi leonard was using the app <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh my god so cute <laughs> it's so cool he's and holding his basketball at one hand right well because the they're showing me they're like oh yeah that there's like Kawhi running through the coaches and like giving high fives i'm oh, like this man. is amazing That's and so um cool. and you know it helped them and i think the, the thing i was most happy about is not just the name because they gave us like you know a lot of recognition after it was the um the trust they gave us you know with their you know with their team and seeing the benefit it gave them and i was so happy that we could we could help a little bit you know obviously there's yeah. a lot of things they told us they're like we need this fixed corporate clients aren't easy guys they're very tough they're the hardest clients you yeah. have because they're so large uh and you need to appease them right because you know sometimes you need them to stay afloat mm-hmm. um so you know those requests you take in like feature creeps to all my computer scientists out there you know that know of the feature creeps that come up yeah it's gonna happen mm-hmm. but it's a learning process and that's how that partnership works you know yeah. they use the app you know they give us a lot of great feedback you know we get advertising it's it's, it's a great time yeah so. and it's like the best way to to improve your product because like exactly. it's out in the field and you're iterating on it you're iterating on the design exactly. like understanding what things work and what don't work mm-hmm. and you're like interfacing with the customer directly exactly because we would we never knew like the cool one of the coolest experiences i think i had working with mlc is we got to go there before a game uh and we just went on the court's empty arena it's huge and you know such this like whoa (laughs) this is scotiabank arena it's so cool so anyways you're in there and you're you're stepping with um uh amberly and like walking step by step on the court going okay this is what's considered one unit of the grid and then so we map our grid custom perfectly to oh. the grid on the stage keep software mm. so it's that's what's our corporate features right we go on the floor we walk it out with you make sure it's perfect and then so it fits when she's designing her her performances and things like that so um it was really cool to to do that because you feel like you're part of the team yeah you know? and you're like a huge part of like toronto culture yeah yeah exactly just to just to be there because you know raptors is raptors and leafs come on that's it that's <laughs> toronto culture right there yeah um who is like your ideal I guess like customer you want to work with I know that you you've been working with choreographers or like interested by choreographers who work with like Cardi B and yeah. like huge names mm-hmm. so we're just actually setting those people up and we're like really happy to like start getting the app in their hands yeah, uh, we got a awesome. cool one I'll say it on the podcast you're first this is an exclusive <laughs> exclusive this is the person somebody I wanted for a very long time and this is if anything just our foot in I wouldn't say it's confirmed with the organization but uh i'll say the word disney no was a big one yeah one of our our sales guys um he's on so he's on the uh disney movie that's out or being filmed in toronto called disney zombies and that's zombies 2 uh, and he's a dancer on there but he also works on my sales team mm. and he goes listen axel i pitched it to the choreographers they love it uh they want to have a meeting i'm like all right let's do this meeting and uh you know hopefully that's you know something that we stick with because even the choreographers were like we'd love to say that this disney movie was helped created with stage keep and i'm like yes (laughs) like yes do it now do it now put me in the put me in put me in so cool exactly so like that's 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 something we really wanted for a long long time you know we want to get to that upper echelon you Mm -hmm. know again we're not ready for corporate but 
The one thing I think everybody needs to remember, especially when you're designing something, is MVP goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Minimum vile prototype for all the people that know that. It goes a long way because if you can just fix that customer's problem right away with you know a couple features, they're happy. Everything else they're asking for is just additional things that they would like on top. If it's as soon as you fix the main issue, you're already golden. And that's what we figured out. And I'd have a lot of, you know, I'd be self-conscious. I'm like, oh, we don't have this. We don't have that. But they're like, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah. They're like, you already fixed an issue. That's it. You know, we'll wait on the next features. Yeah, and that's what that's it is. So, so, it's so patience awesome. is key. Like patience is key. And also knowing the right people. So like, luckily my network is, is good enough that we, we got to talk to Disney. So, mm-hmm. and the, the funny thing is in my Dragon's Den pitch when I was on the show. Yeah, you were on Dragon's Den I was too. on Dragon's oh, Den. Man, tell me about that. No, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, and the funny thing what they said on the pitch was, you know, it's going to take you a couple hundred thousand dollars to like even talk to Disney or like get to them. And I'm like, nope, didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Actually. Actually. No, we just. I have Disney in my bag. Yeah, you know, we were like, <laughs> We're we like, you know, I'm not talking to the board of Disney or even their head of entertainment, but I'm talking to the choreographers that work for them. So like mm-hmm. that's that little step is like huge for us. Like that's massive because we could say we worked with Disney already. So I think it's that. But Dragon's Den, oh, I've never prepped so hard for something in my yeah. life. Okay. Going in uh, to any dragons that are listening. <laughs> We knew we weren't getting a deal because we were so early. I've watched the show enough. Okay. We were like pre-revenue. We just got like things figured out. We yeah. didn't have like really much of a customer basis. How at long the time. ago was this? It's like a year ago. Oh, only, okay. only a year. Yeah, it was like in February last year. Okay. So it was filmed and it just came out this year, which is crazy. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's like CBC takes a while to edit. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. CBC was great. Uh, <laughs> awesome. They were so communicative. But going on the den was cool because. You see usually two minutes, three minutes, you know, when the show's like actually aired for each pitch. But I was there for like an hour for sure. Pitching with me, me and Will co-founding, uh, my co-founder, and then other dancers dancing. But it's just really nice. They weren't even cutthroat. They gave me a lot of great advice because they knew too. But, you know, there was a couple of them writing a lot of like things on paper. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> but that's all you need to get on their radar. I'd rather just be on their radar right now. Yeah. And then until I have that customer basis to prove that to them, then I would go for the VC route. Cause right now we're not funded by any VCs. It's, it's all our own. It's all the co-founders. Yeah. It's all our revenue from our sales, like feeding back into the company. And we want to get you know big enough that we don't have to pitch to the investors. The VCs come to us and they go, so uh, looks like you're doing well. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I want. I'd rather True. have that, you know, and I don't need, I wouldn't rather, I wouldn't have, or I wouldn't want a lot of money. Um, I'd want a VC to give us a good amount of money, but a VC with a great amount of experience that helps the company, you know, mm-hmm. like somebody that can really push us to the next level. That's what I want. But the dragons were all really nice. Lane Merrifield. I don't know if anybody remembers Club Penguin out there. Oh, damn. What yeah. Shout out, to, shout out to Club time. Penguin. Shout out to Lane Merrifield one time. And I remember we're like, we're all nerding out because we're like, oh my God, the creator of Club Penguin's here. <laughs> and the coolest compliment, he goes, yeah, man, it looks great. The app looks great. And we're like, <laughs> I'm screaming right now, like without screaming. No, you know yeah. what? Club Penguin looks It was great. so cool because he's like, you know, he sold his company for like $800 million oh, to Disney. Shit. And Disney's like, yeah, you guys yeah. did. And it was like in a short amount of time. I forget how long, but it was like, I think it was less than a year. He sold Club Penguin. Whoa. Yeah, for like a ton of money. So he, he made a lot of money. It might have been 80 but not, I don't know, it was, it was in the hundred millions. I forgot what it was. But anyways, he made a lot of money and um, he gave us some great advice. And, you know, Michelle Romano had a great advice too. She, you know, she gave us the best advice. Cause she goes, you're in such a niche market. 
that it's it's so niche. Like we don't know anything about it, and that's the problem with StageCube that investors don't know much about it, or there's mm-hmm. no nothing to compare to. So Michelle goes, she goes, as long as you break that market, we'll all be here ready. You know, mm-hmm. come back once you penetrate the market. She's like, I was like you. I slept in my office. I worked hard because nobody did what I did until I did it. Yeah. You know, and that's all you need to do and prove to them. So that's what we're doing right now. You know, we're 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 proving to the rest of the world that yes this is going to be profitable yeah but at the same time we'll also be able to mix art and tech which is like something totally new yeah Yeah. that's actually a really interesting point about like just like the general public understanding the problem yeah like for example like at hackathons as well and like in your situation like pitching to vcs if they don't understand the problem properly Mm -hmm. it's hard for them to like visualize the solution 100 percent so a couple episodes ago, I had uh, the winner of Imagine Cup, which is like an annual like global hackathon that Microsoft runs. Mm-hmm. And this year, um, I was watching the pitches like literally like two hours ago. And um, one of the one of the top three finalists, the problem they were solving, it was this team from India and they were, they were solving the problem of like air quality cool. um, and it being really bad in India. And they like made this entire like system around it. They had like an app, they had, uh, a voice assistant they had like a physical like filter that you could wear on your face wow. um, and it was just like so thorough and like well thought out and like really really detailed like a lot of the details were implemented um, like, it was like so impressive um, and the winner wasn't actually them it was this other like single guy team which is also like an amazing product um, but his pitch was all about um, diabetes mm-hmm. so it was just like a much more accessible yeah like problem yeah like it's just easier for us to see it um just like firsthand because like you know the competition was in america Mm -hmm. um it took place in seattle i don't know if a lot of the judges knew about the problems in india with like the air quality so just the diabetes problem was just a lot more accessible and like i feel like that was also like a huge contributor to um to his like success yeah Exactly, because it's, it's the visibility of the problem, right? You know, yeah. even even some hackathons, uh, not hackathons, more like pitch competitions at U of T or mm-hmm. any other ones, uh, will typically most accept, you know, the STEM side or like problems like you know in health side or fintech and things like that because that's like a little more generally known and, and the judges understand that better. And like I take no, you know, shame into not getting into those at least yeah. before, mm-hmm. is because you didn't understand. And I think that's something I'm excited about is to making the world understand these issues because they're out there. Yeah. Uh, and that's the fun of it. That's the fun of an entrepreneurship, you know, spreading the word. Yeah. yeah. And it's really cool. Like you see these problems like up close. Yeah. Just because you have like all this like general knowledge about it. Exactly. Damn, brought it all back. Right. <laughs> I know how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much You're for welcome. joining me, Axel. It was so much fun talking to you. Um, good luck with StageKeep, and I will include all the links to your embarrassing videos in the description amazing, below. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Shoutouts to uh, to this podcast. Shoutouts to everybody that's part of it. Uh, and most uh, of all, thank you, UFT, for always being so awesome.